I'm Kate Hills and I'm on a one-woman mission to save UK manufacturing. In 2008, I gave up my 20-year career as a fashion buyer because I was disillusioned with how much product was being sourced overseas and I set out to uncover some of the amazing businesses that were still making in Britain. Since founding Make It British, I've discovered that there is not only still tons of manufacturing taking place in the UK, but that it's a thriving industry. I invite you to join me each week when I'll be telling the stories behind some of the best British-made brands and manufacturers and offering advice to those that want to make in the UK. So with no further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to episode number 23 of the Make It British podcast. In today's episode, I have an interview for you with Sean Reiki of The Hetty Company. Now, Sean's business is a family business and they manufacture accessories for both dogs and humans. In fact, quite often it's matching accessories for the dogs and the humans. Um, it's a lovely product and in this interview, she talks about her experience as someone who has set up a UK-made business without any previous experience in the manufacturing industry in, at all. In fact, Sean was actually a chemist in a previous life. So she's got some great advice in this interview for anyone who is thinking of setting up something that is manufactured in the UK, but who maybe doesn't have the experience in manufacturing. I think it's a really positive interview and I hope it will inspire people who are thinking of doing the same. So before I come on to the interview with Sean, I just want to thank everyone, every single one of you who has taken the time out to write me a little review in iTunes. It really does mean so much to hear that you are finding the information that I'm giving out um, useful and inspiring, particularly with the five-day podcast that we had a couple of weeks ago as part of my Get Set for Manufacturing Challenge. One of the reviews in particular that I really liked um, is this one here from Rob Gill 75 which he left on iTunes. And I'll read out what Rob had to say. He says, I love the idea of the five-day podcasts. Still one to go, but thank you. I feel like I have been on a mini course, which I could have done with approximately three months ago. The best thing is that all the key aspects have been broken down. And while I had considered many, it's good to hear from a professional within the industry, clarifying key points and adding further knowledge. I now feel like I'm on the right track and raring to get started with my product. I'm certainly going to make my product British and hopefully one day I will be selling on my own website with a Made in Britain logo. Who's joining me? Isn't that brilliant? I'm glad, Rob, that I have inspired you to now manufacture in the UK. And if, like Rob, you have found the podcast that accompany my um, Get Set for Manufacturing challenge, if you found those useful, you will be pleased to hear that I am now offering a way for you to get more personalised support for your product development and to help you manufacture in the UK. My Get Set for Manufacturing online course not only offers a step-by-step -step guide to making in the UK, but if you sign up 
with this initial launch, and I'm talking at the big um, in January 2019. If you sign up to the launch, you'll get direct direct access to me via live calls when I'm going to be discussing your individual needs and requirements when it comes to making in the UK. So if you are thinking of making a product in Britain, then this digital course is going to be perfect for you. To find it, just go to makeitbritish.co.uk forward slash get set course and you'll receive more information. And I'll also put the link to the course in the show notes for this podcast, which can be found at makeitbritish.co.uk forward slash 023. That's the number 023. Okay, so now let's get on with to the main part of the show. Hello, Sean. Thank you very much for joining me today. Hi, Kate. Thanks very much for inviting me. Um, do you want to start by telling me all about Hetty, what the company's all about, um, and the sort of products that you make? Okay. Um, Hetty is a British-made lifestyle brand. Um, we focused initially on making handbags and accessories, um, nice quality, made out of the wool from Abraham Moon, um, which is a sustainable and biodegradable fabric. So that was important to us as well, um, as was making it in the UK. And also, we are a very doggy family. Uh, we love our dogs. So we decided to um, make some accessories for the dogs. So we also have dog coats and harnesses, some collars and leads, uh, some nice little bow ties and flowers. Um, and you can coordinate them with your with your dog so um just for a sort of a twinning look something a little bit different that's what we were trying to do something a little bit different so how did the the whole idea come about what's your background originally because you haven't always been in in products have you no um i am actually well just we we're um we were a family talking around the barbecue table one night um and we realized that we do all have some skills that we we could use um, to set something else up. Um, I'm actually a pharmacist, um, a trained pharmacist, um, and I've run my own business. Um, my son is um, a wedding photographer. Um, my daughter-in-law, she um, is an interior designer. So we sort of stuck our heads together um, and got some ideas together of what, what we could do. Um, and after a, an evening all chatting, we, we thought we'd we'd give it a go. Um, we've also had some experience. My husband has worked um, with Chinese companies, so importing goods, making goods in China and bringing them back into the UK. Um, and we, we very much wanted to do it the other way around um, and support British manufacturing um, and, and just just make sure that we based it here, you know, focusing on what we knew was difficult the other way around. So um, so you had this idea, all of you sat around the barbecue table. Talk me through how you then turned that idea into your first product. So what were the steps that you took and how long did that process take? I think it takes... I think you have to sort of gather, we, we knew we had to gather all our ducks in a row before we, we set it going. Um, but equally, we didn't want to sort of leave it forever because unless you take the first step, you can talk about it forever and ever um, and you don't actually do anything. So um, Steph and I sat down and talked about handbags, which is never difficult. Um, and we, we sort of came up with some designs um, and Steph's family, um, 
they work um, in the upholstery business. So they'd come across the fabrics of Abraham Moon. Um, so we thought, yeah, these are beautiful. They're, they're perfect. So Tom and I um, went up to the factory, to the, the mill in Geisley and had a lovely tour around. Very friendly, very helpful people there. Um, absolutely fascinating to see actually where the, how the, the, the world comes um, to be made and to be made into designs. Um, so Steph made up some samples um, and then we, we, obviously there's the practicalities. You have to set up a company, you have to set up a bank account, you have to have some money to start with. Um, it's always a lot more than you think yeah, you're going to exactly. Do. Though I think one thing that you did was very wise by the sounds of things there is you stuck with one manufacturer for your cloth. So you were quite focused on that, weren't you? Yeah. That, that right, yeah, we want we to use the Abraham Moon fabric. That's our starting point. We're not going to try and do everything. Yeah. So you started with handbags first. Uh, yes, um, we, we had in our mind, we knew we were going to do the dog accessories as well, but we, we started with the handbags and the phone cases um, and, and got some samples made up. Um, we, we went down to a factory um, in Devon to start with um, and started talking to them. Um, and then after a little while, realised it perhaps wasn't for us. Um, and a, another manufacturer got in touch with us. Um, so we went up to visit them and showed them our products and everything. Um, so we, we've switched manufacturers in the meantime because it's so important to to have somebody that you can work with, that you can talk to, that you, you get on with, really. Yeah, that, exactly. That's, you know, so that's how did really, you find really that very first manufacturer? Um. Very friendly, very helpful, but we were obviously, and this is the problem, I can see it from both sides, they have work to do and, you know, we come up to somebody with a bright idea and say, right, we want you to make this and we need it next week. And obviously they've got lots of other people that they need to to, to sort of organise. Um, so it, it was just getting something done in, in a, t a, a suitable time frame for us was was challenging there um so we, we we got some other samples made um somewhere else um and yeah I, th I think that that you do need to allow some time to find your manufacturer and find who you're going to get on with there's a lot to do there's we're we're lucky Steph can sew the samples or come up with the ideas so that we can present something and say can you make this for us yeah um, so what would you say what would you say was that time frame between from your first idea to when that you found that right manufacturer and you started getting into I the think, swing of things? I think that was probably the best part of a year. I think it was probably the best part of a year. Um, we, 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 we didn't all throw in our jobs to start with. So, again, I think if, if you do that, if you take the plunge and you do that, then maybe, you know, you spend more time on on the the idea um and maybe you could get that done quicker but even so you still have to allow for time frames you have to allow to get the buying the buying for all your bits all your trims uh, it's not just buying your fabric it's buying you know we, we need hardware for the, the dog collars the the webbing for the bags um we saw some beautiful buttons from a lady that hand kiln fires the buttons for our phone cases so there's a lot involved before you actually get to 
properly sit down and somebody to start making you something. I think that's really important that you've said that because I have a lot of people contact me and they've got an idea for a handbag or an item of clothing and they expect a sample to happen overnight and they don't realise that a lot of the manufacturers in the UK work on what what we call a CMT basis, don't they? So they need, that stands for cut, make and trim and that means that that's all they will do. You, They will not source the fabric for you or the trims or the hardware, yeah. like you said. So you've yeah. got to go away and find all that. And you also need all that before you first go and see that manufacturer because yeah. they can't make a sample. It, it, it's timings. It's timing. So, you know, you, your webbing might arrive tomorrow, but you might need to wait um, three weeks for the buttons to be made or uh, the, 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 the fabric um, might be out of stock in one particular design. So you have to wait for that. And understandably that your manufacturers want it all there before they start laying your stuff out. Um, and it must be a logistical nightmare for them trying to, you know, if they've got more than one product that they're making for more than one person, trying to sort of manage that is probably a, a real headache. So what was the biggest challenge for you then coming from a pharmaceutical background and then going into, I suppose, fashion or, you know, products? What was the biggest challenge? What was the biggest shock to you? Um, I think just the the... I've run a business. I've run a business before. Um, so we know the basics of how to sort of manage VAT and, and all that sort of practical stuff. I think it's just the myriad of things that you have to think about or you don't. Well, you, you, you are able to think about with regard to marketing your product um, and how it doesn't matter how good a product you've got. If nobody knows it's there, then you're putting a lot of energy into to something that's, you know, that's not going to work. I think we, we've, the website is, is a fundamental window shop for, for your, your brand and your product. I think it's important to spend time on getting that right and spend a, a fair amount of money on that to make sure that that works for you, um, which is something we're looking at at the moment because our website isn't working for us. Um, yeah, that's interesting. You said that as well. So what you're, you're saying, allocate, budget make sure you've saved back some budget yes. don't spend all of your initial investment yeah. on just getting the products make yeah, sure exactly you- but it, it's um it's a balance because there is i think you know when you ask me the question there is just so much to think about um you know you, you you've got your product to design uh, you need to find somebody to make it you then need to make sure that people can see it um, and that people can buy it and that you can actually deliver on what you've said so Somebody gave us good advice once, you know, don't say that you can make something and have it there in three days' time if you can't. It's better to say, you know, this may take up to four weeks for delivery. Um, It's better to sort of be upfront in actually what what you can do. And do you think your customers are willing to to wait for that because they know what they're going to get at the end is very special and quite unique? Yes. Yeah, I I hope so. I think think we're probably... uh, more of a niche market and I think people that specifically are looking for things that are made in Britain understand that um although you know I've had a few phone calls to say I want this for my wife's birthday is it going to be ready and and, and most of the time we have stock um it's just sometimes if we hate it's have to say to somebody you know we, we've got to go into production well then for all the reasons we've said before it might take up to four weeks for us to make the next batch mm. but even so four weeks 
in the scheme of things, if you'd had to go back to China, for instance, yes, absolutely, it yeah. would be it would be up to you know twelve weeks or longer. It definitely, yeah, definitely, and you've got all the shipping involved. So that's if you're going to put something on the water to come across, that's at least a month. Yeah. So um, was, if it all goes smoothly. So what was the main reason you decided to make in the UK? Was it because of the shorter lead times? Yeah, shorter lead times, and also when you're trying to talk to people in China, it's just harder. There's a time difference. There's a a cultural difference talking to people and understanding. And unless you actually can go to China and sit with people in the factories and, and explain, it's much easier if you can actually get in the car and, you know, have a hand more of a much more hands-on sort of um, experience with, with manufacturing here and get to know who's who's making your clothes who's you know who's who's involved and I think that's a lot of people that are looking at the made in Britain brand now that's something that's important to them they want a story to it they want to understand the provenance of it and where it came from and they like to think you know they they can look and they can see that we're a family business and and they can see our dogs wearing our, our, our clothes and things so I think I think that's the way things seem to be going. Yeah, that's so um, true. So how often would you get to your manufacturer? How often would you go and visit? Um, well, thankfully, we don't have many problems where we don't really need to go. But we have, if we've had a big order, for instance, we Tom and I went up to help um, Jody and Jason uh, check check off the QC and pack things into the boxes and stuff because it was an exciting order for us all. So we went up. But... We, we don't have to go up very often, but we know that we can, if, you know, if we need to. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. do you think, uh, do, what feedback do you have from your customers that they value the fact that the product's made in Britain? I think people, we've had people from abroad uh, recently sent a couple of handbags to Singapore to a lady and they talk about quality. Um, they like the fact that it's, that it's been made in Britain that's carries some kudos um I think and I think with everything that's going on at the moment I mean I would much prefer to have one nice thing than lots of nasty things yeah so you know and and to know that you're going to be able to keep it and my granddaughter um she's eight and we were doing some photographs the other day of for social media and she asked to be involved so we have photos of her and she's modeling (laughs) she put a bit of lipstick on she's modeling and it's nice to think that the handbag that she was holding then will hopefully be around when when she has a daughter maybe you know it's going to have some 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 time to it because I used to love running around playing with my grand's things yeah, I mean, hearing that more and more and more people I've interviewed for this podcast about how it's important that it's a family business and that it's, yeah. you know, it's heirlooms that are being created rather than something that's mass produced. I think so. And it's, I mean, family is very important to me and, and, and all of us. And I, I think you're making memories, aren't you, a lot of the time when, when you're with your family. And I think it's, if you have things, I've got things here that were my grands or my grandmas or whatever and it's nice to still have them and look at them and think you know these have been around a little while yeah and you say that you make you obviously you make dog products as well and I we get a lot of people contacting us that make it British particularly wanted to spend more on a on an item for a dog and I want a made in Britain dog product um why do you think that is 
I think dogs are becoming more and more important in the family. They always have been here. We're, we're soft with our dogs. Um, and, uh, you know, the whole family's got dogs. Christmas time, there's a pile of them here in the kitchen. That I'm climbing <laughs> All wearing Abraham um, moon tweed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All wearing their best. Um, and I, I think people are willing to spend a little bit more money on them. And, and for some people, they're their children. Um, you know, that they or, or if they live in a, in a city um, and they haven't got much room, They've got little dogs that you can keep in a, in a flat. They like to think you can carry them around on the escalators in the shops if you want to. There's more and more dog-friendly places of, uh, now. Uh, you know, you can take your dog to the pub. You can take your dog out to lunch or, um, you know, it's before you couldn't do that, could you? you people always left the dog at home. But, no, um, and I, we always had dogs when I was a kid and I don't ever remember us dressing up, putting a coat on or a fancy collar no. on our dog. So where's the, the dogs in clothes trend come from? Because it, people do want to see their dogs being dressed. They do. As- they certainly do. But but having said that, I mean, we've got a, a big boxer. He's, he's a great big old boy. Um, and we've now got a little dog. And actually, they get cold in the winter. I've never seen it before. But, it, you know, when it was snowing last year, a dog coat is actually quite a practical thing for a little dog. Um not so much for a big dog, um, but definitely, yes, I think, you know, the, and the collars and leads, every dog needs a collar and a lead. And why <laughs> several, in, an in the case of my dog, he's got quite a few <laughs> collars and leads, though he's a very furry dog. So oh, actually he doesn't like it? wearing coats, he gets too hot, he actually loves the snow. So we have the opposite problems, we have to find those coats that cool him yeah. down rather than keep him warm. Yeah, but those are fab, aren't they? And they, they've been really useful over the, the summer, this, this hot summer. I think loads of people have used those cooling coats to keep the dogs yeah. cooler. Brilliant. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about manufacturing in the UK, people always say it's more expensive. How yeah. have you balanced the cost of making here versus what your customers are willing to pay for your products? Well, I think, uh, as I said, if people are looking for quality and for something a little bit different then they are already in that mindset to they understand that it, it, it's likely to cost them a little bit more um uh, as we've spoke about before we, we could get the products made in china for a lot less money uh if you look at just the actual product but you'd have to get lots and lots made and you'd have to get them shipped across so you're probably balancing you know you're getting close to it um What's I the, think people are willing to pay more for, for something, as we've discussed, that's got a quality and a provenance to it. So what would be the average size of an order that you place with your manufacturer? The last order we placed was for 800 handbags. Oh, so um, pretty big now then. That that was a big one. I mean, we, we would. Um, there are two ways of selling, aren't there? You can sell to wholesale um, or, or retail, which is what that was, or you can sell to your customer on your website which is what we're hoping to improve on with our website um working better for us um if if we were placing an order with the manufacturer just for you know not not for a wholesale order we would have to order 20s in 20s all right that's... each size in each in each fabric so it, it it's not a huge amount uh, it's just and then that's another thing to think about is balancing that out with how much stock do you actually want to keep um and that's something that that's hard in, initially to sort of manage in your head is, is how how much stock stock do you want to keep, and how much do you want to invest the money into the stock, or 
invest it into something like marketing or advertising. That's such a good point you've made there, Sean, because as a buyer, I know that one of the things that kills profit is having too much stock because if you're not yes. selling it that's all your cash tied up in stock so i think you've yeah. made a really good point buy less um mm-hmm. and spend the rest of the money on marketing and selling those products that you've got because there's nothing worse than placing an order for hundreds of products especially when and you're just sitting there yeah exactly yeah. because it's not the thing that your customer wants and it, and it's it's a waste isn't it it's a waste of resources and you know you're going through the motions of making something that that you don't need just yet. I think that's, you know, from an eco-friendly point of view, that's that's another point as well. Um, so how do you gauge customer feedback on your products? Do you do um, wearer trials on the dogs to check they all fit or what do you do to get yeah, feedback? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's it's surprising, actually. You know, there are, we've, we have three sizes, but really we need a lot more than three sizes for dogs because a sausage dog and a whippet, and a boxer or a, a French bulldog. You can have a, a French bulldog that's li- a little on the larger side that doesn't do so much exercise. So, you know, we, we, do, we just do three generic sizes at the moment. It would be nice to sort of branch out into doing more bespoke ranges for the sausage dog or, <laughs> oh, <laughs> or different dogs. Yeah, little fat dogs <laughs> with short legs dogs. like I've got. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same as people though, isn't it? Yeah, it's exactly. It's exactly as people. You know, some people fit a size 12 in next and then they go down the road to H&M and they, they're in a, a different size altogether. So what's the, the biggest part of your business? Is it the handbags or is it the dog products? Um, it's difficult to say, really. I would say it's probably a balance of both at the moment, although we have had some more interest in the USA um, and shipped um, a biggish order of the dog products um, across to Kentucky. Um, and they're going around some equestrian um, shows and dressage events, um, which is, seems to be doing really well. So it, it's... Um, I would say I think for the first couple of years, it's fairly early days to sort of gauge where your brand is is going to go and just go with the flow. Just, you know, when, when, when suggestions come at you, you know, it's worth trying everything, isn't it? Yeah, because who would have predicted that you'd have a huge audience in Kentucky? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. How did that come about? Yeah. That came about through Instagram. Um, really that's interesting actually and I think that was through networking through a lady um who uh runs a PR company and she's done a little bit of work for us and then I think it's really important if you have the time to to use these social media sites to network with people um and you see people interacting and then you start talking to them and through that we got an order. Brilliant. That's fantastic. Right. So yeah. um on that note then, Sean, um, it's been really lovely speaking to you. Where can yes, people you find you? So what's your Instagram account name for a start? It's the Hetty Company. Okay. All one word. Um I'll put the links but, uh, to all of your different places that people can find you in the show notes for the podcast. But what's, what's the address yeah. what's the address for your website? It's uh, www.hetty.co.uk. Um, at the moment, we're in the process of launching a brand new website, which is exciting. Um, so hopefully over the next few weeks, you'll see a brand new website for us as well. Brilliant. I'll look out for that. Fantastic. Thank you so much for talking to me today. Really, really interesting. I love your uh, the whole ethos behind your business. I think it's great. 
Thank and, you, Kate, um, and thanks. Um, it's, I, I love what you're doing as well. You're, you're very encouraging of the Make It British brands and leading a crusade for us all, and, and it's nice to be invited on this. Thank you. Brilliant. That's what it's all about. Thank you very much, Sean. Thanks, Kate. If you're interested in discovering UK manufacturers from the fashion, textiles and homeware sectors, you should definitely come to our trade show, Make It British Live. The next event is taking place on the 29th and 30th of May 2019 at the Business Design Centre in London. With over 200 exhibitors, inspiring talks just like the ones you've been listening to on this podcast and interactive workshops, it's the perfect place to network with others that want to see UK manufacturing thrive again. Registration is now open. Just go to makeitbritishlive.com forward slash register to register for a free ticket. If you're a British-made manufacturer or brand and want to find out how your business can benefit from being involved in the show, just visit makeitbritishlive.com forward slash exhibit, fill out a short questionnaire and one of my team will get straight back to you. To reach out to me personally, the best place to do this is via LinkedIn. Just look up Kate Hills and you'll find me. You'll also find me on Twitter at Make It British and Instagram at Make It British too. For all show notes for these podcasts, just go to makeitbritish.co.uk forward slash podcast and you'll find all the details. And make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing in iTunes, Stitcher or whichever is your preferred podcast app. And I really would love it if you left me a little review on iTunes. The more reviews this podcast receives, the more people will discover it and the more we can spread the word about making in the UK. Thanks once again for listening to the Make It British podcast. Bye.